You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, Natalie and I, many of you know this, we moved to Colorado a number of years ago, about five and a half years ago. And like many transplants in the room, we didn't know anybody when we moved here. We didn't know anybody. We were surrounded by people, but it was a very lonely time for us because even though we were full of excitement and we were following God's call to uproot our family and come out to a church, and it was a really clear call from God that gave us a lot of confidence, we didn't know anybody and we came alone. We didn't have any pre-existing relationships here in Fort Collins. No family came with us. And our kids were younger. They were four, two, and six months old at the time. So you're in that very overwhelmed stage of life. And many days, Natalie and I, we found ourselves even struggling to find the energy that it required to make friends. And I realized that's kind of a depressing way to start a series about loving Fort Collins and the first Sunday that we've had together this year. But it actually gets worse. Because a few years into that, we had a few family tragedies. Many of you were by our side for those tragedies. And then shortly after that, COVID hit. And so any of the early relationships that we started to build basically ceased to exist for about 18 months. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in our kitchen again, praying a common prayer in the Faust family, Lord, will you send us friends? Have you ever prayed that prayer? That is a real prayer. Lord, we need friends. Now, thankfully, it didn't stay quite so pathetic. We do now have a lot of friends. We know many of you really, really well, and we have a lot of meaningful relationships. But life-changing relationships, relationships that, that you will walk with people through thick and thin, those types of relationships, they do take time to develop. They take effort. You actually sometimes have to be a friend before you can receive a friend, and it takes energy to do those things. But Natalie and I knew that if we were going to thrive, if we were going to thrive as a married couple, if we were going to thrive as parents, if we were going to thrive as pastors, if we were going to thrive just as as human beings living in northern Colorado, that we were going to need godly friendships, and it was worth the effort to pursue them. Friendships are vital for your mental health. They're vital for your spiritual health. There are even studies coming out now, we'll talk about later in this series, that link longevity of life to meaningful relationships. It's a fascinating study that Harvard did, and we'll talk about that later in the month. But God will also use the friendships and the relationships that you have in your life to advance the kingdom, to influence the world around you, and to help you join his mission of transforming all things. And so during our Love Foco series this year, we're going to spend the entire month talking about how we can love our city through godly friendships. What does it mean to be a best friend? What does it mean to forge a kingdom friendship or a spiritual relationship and to walk that out over time? What do these relationships actually look like? 
Of course, we'll go to scriptures to find out what godly relationships look like, and we have more examples than we have weeks in the year, but we're going to focus on four key relationships, four key friendships that you can find in scripture. We're going to study those and apply them to our life, and we're going to ask those questions of ourselves. What does it look like if I became the best friend my city ever had? What would it look like if I became the best friend my neighbors ever had? What would it look like? to have kingdom relationships. To start, we're gonna talk about a key ingredient for any kingdom friendship. A mark of a godly friendship for all of us. If you want to love Fort Collins, if you wanna love others, and if you wanna be a godly friend yourself, then we need to start with a message titled, Friends Introduce Jesus. Friends Introduce Jesus. Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning and you personally have never been introduced to Jesus, then I hope by the end of our time together that I at least begin to scratch the surface of introducing you personally to Jesus this morning. And by the end of our service time together, I'll give you a chance to respond to the gospel and to start an eternal relationship with Jesus today. And I'm going to ask you that not out of trying to convince you or persuade you or create any kind of argument. I'm not going to try to get you to give your life to Jesus today to kind of make you attend church more often. That would be really, really weird. I just want to introduce you to Jesus because he is the man that has changed my life completely. And I want to be a godly friend. And the best way I know how to do that is to lovingly introduce you to the man who's transformed everything. But first, we're going to look at our scripture for today. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And the context of this passage basically starts with this man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had an incredible ministry. He was discipling all kinds of people. He was baptizing them in the River Jordan. But he knew that he wasn't the Savior. He knew that he wasn't the Messiah, the one to come and transform all things. And so as he was drawing people to himself and discipling them, he was actually pushing them away so that they would follow Jesus instead of him. And this is the introduction that you kind of have to John the Baptist in chapter 1, and it's the context of what we're going to read today. John 1, verses 40 to 45. This is how it begins. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men, the men who heard from John and said, follow Jesus. So Andrew was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip said. Come and see for yourself. It starts with John the Baptist pointing everyone to Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did when he experienced Christ was he went and got Peter. And Philip, by the way, did the same exact thing. He went and he told Nathaniel. See, one of the most powerful things that you can do as a friend, one of the most powerful things you can do as a real friend, a loving friend, a godly friend, one of the most life 
changing things you can do is introduce your friends to Jesus. Friends introduce friends to Jesus. It's what they do. And I hope and I pray that in 2023, each and every one of us will become a little bit more like Andrew and a little bit more like Philip. That we would become a church filled with Andrews and Philips. So you'll notice in the passage, they weren't concerned with convincing anyone. They weren't concerned with perfect arguments or apologetics or theological answers. And all of those things have their due time and they're important and they're good in their own season. But in this particular passage, they weren't concerned with those things. All they knew was that they had seen and heard and primarily met someone so wonderful and so amazing and so life-changing that they could not keep it to themselves any longer. The news was too good to keep to themselves, and they wanted their loved ones to experience Christ just like them. One of the things that I love about this passage is that you see both similarities and differences in how Andrew and Peter, or how Andrew and Philip walked about their business. Right? And, and the fact that there are similarities and differences, they're good for all of us because it creates room for all of us to play and all of us to become a little bit more like these men. In terms of similarities, they both focused on anticipation, not on answers. They focused on the anticipation of Christ, not on theological answers. See, they had hope in the coming Messiah. They had hope in the promises of the Bible, and they had hope that God would answer their prayers, and that when they found Jesus, the answer to all of their prayers, they had to tell it to others. It starts with Andrew. He went and he told Peter, he said, we found the Messiah, the coming one, the anointed Christ. So they were anticipating a Messiah who would come and reconcile all things, redeem all things back to the Father. And Andrew is basically saying, we have found the one who will make all things right. We found the one who will make all things right. They knew that Christ would bring his kingdom and the oppression and the pain and the hurt and the brokenness that they were experiencing in their own life, but also the stuff they were witnessing in the world around them, that all of it would be solved with the coming king. And Philip told Nathanael something very similar. He said, this is the one that the Old Testament has been talking about. This is the one that Moses and the prophets and all the promises that come before the Gospels, all the promises in the Old Testament point to this coming king, and we found him. He's from Nazareth. Nathanael pushes back a little bit. He goes, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Some of you might have experienced pushback in your own life when you're trying to share Jesus with others. I know I have, but notice what Philip does. He doesn't get all up into arms. He doesn't try to create a five-point argument to convince that person that truly Jesus is the Messiah. He just goes, come and see. Come and see for yourself. First, you have Andrew in verse 42. It says, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And in Philip, in 46, come and see for yourself. See, they're anticipating this coming Messiah. And that's what they shared with one another. But the execution of it was a little different. The way they talked to their friends was a little bit different. Look at Andrew again, one more time. Verse 42, it says, Then Andrew brought Simon Peter to meet Jesus. Andrew goes, I found the Messiah. He's the coming king. I'm going to go tell others about it. But actually, I'm also going to go and get them and bring them to Jesus. It's a little bit more direct. He brought Peter to Jesus. Now, we could have fun and we could kind of argue and have interesting theological discussion on whether or not this was a reflection of Andrew's personality or Peter's personality. 
right? Peter was known to be a little bit more strong-willed. And so perhaps Andrew said, well, with Peter, I'm gonna have to be a little bit more forceful and a little bit more direct. So I'm just gonna straight bring him to Jesus. We don't know. It would be an interesting conversation, but we don't truly know the answer. And so because we don't know the answer, I don't want you to get hung up on that question. Instead, I would rather us spend a little bit more time asking the question, do you think we could be a little bit more like Andrew? And if we became a little bit more like Andrew, could we discover the next Peter? Peter went on to be an apostle. He wrote part of the New Testament. He preached all over the land, saving all kinds of people. If we became a little bit more like Andrew, could we discover the next Peter? Well, that's an interesting question to ponder and to think about. Allow that to move within your heart because you never know who you might encounter in your life. You never know who God might place in relationship with you. And if you commit to being a little bit more like Andrew, we all might discover a few more Peters, and that would be incredibly, incredibly powerful. That's different, though, than what Philip did. Same authentic and passionate response, but Philip had a different, a different, uh, different way of going about it. See, he said, we, we found the guys from Nazareth. There's a little back and forth, and instead of meeting Nathaniel's argument with answers, he said, just come and see for yourself. Verse 46. Isn't that freeing? I don't need to convince you. I don't need to persuade you. You've got questions. I've got questions. Don't we all have questions? Come and see for yourself. No pressure, no convincing, no arguing. Just come and see. I love this passage. I love this passage. It's so inspiring to me. Because the truth is a lot of us struggle with sharing our faith. Right? A lot of us, we, we don't know what to say or, or what to do, or, or we, we come up with a hundred different answers for the hundred different questions that usually, quite honestly, we never get anyway. And this passage is so freeing to us because it shows us we don't all have to be great evangelists. You don't all have to be the next Billy Graham. Can we get an amen? You don't all have to be the next awkward street preacher. This is good news, wrapped up in the good news. We don't all have to be great evangelists, but we can all be great inviters. You don't have to be the next Billy Graham, but you can be the next Andrew. You can be the next Philip. You can just introduce people to Jesus. Jesus will do the heavy lifting. We can't save anybody anyway. We can't forgive anyone of their sins. That's his job. He's the one who died on the cross for us. We can't do that for others. But man, I want to be the guy and I want to be the church that introduces scores of people to the one who can redeem all things. The good news was just too powerful for them to keep to themselves. And they knew and they trusted that if Jesus is who he says he is, if he is the only one who can save, if he is the only one who can forgive, if he is the only one who can offer actual transformation to our lives and the world around us, then my friends need to know this man. My friends need to know Jesus. And they were committed to introducing their most cherished relationships to the Lord. Based on this passage and based on this scripture here in John and on the lives of Andrew and Philip, then I, I just want to start the year by offering you a challenge, offering you personally a challenge. Will you introduce people to Jesus this year? Will you introduce people to Jesus in 2023? And I'm not saying that you need to evangelize the world. I'm not saying that you're going to be somehow a, a bad Christian if you don't share your faith perth- perfectly, if you don't do it once a week or once a month or anything like that. All I'm asking is, can you be a little bit more like Andrew, a little bit more like Philip? 
Can you simply bring people with you wherever you're going with Christ? Imagine how that might change someone's life. Imagine how that might change your neighborhood or your community or your school or this city or the world around us. Teenagers in the room, I hope you know this applies to all of you. My wife, Natalie, her her life was changed because some middle schooler in her school invited her to young life when she was in middle school. And then they started taking her to summer camp. And that's where she received salvation and gave her life to Christ. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, you never know the power of your invitation. All you got to do is bring him to Jesus. He'll do the work for you. Adults, parents, are you willing to be a taxi service to go and get those kids to introduce them to Jesus? Never underestimate the power of a full tank of gas. (laughs) You can change someone's life by going and picking them up and faithfully introducing them to Jesus. I know some of you do this so well because I've met your friends in the lobby. We've prayed together. We've gone out for lunch together. And I even make this commitment to you that if you introduce people to Jesus, if you invite people to go on the journey with you, and if you bring them here to church and you don't know what to say, I'll say it for you. If you don't know how to evangelize, I can share the faith and I can teach you how to do it as we go together. And you can be the one who introduces and I can be the one that follows up or we can reverse roles and we can lead people to Jesus together. Now, he might ask you to share your story. He might ask you to do follow-up. He might ask you to buy a couple lunches. But we're talking about eternal salvation when you introduce people to Jesus. This news is too good to be kept privately in our own hearts. If Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to you, then I know that the same thing you've received for him, you want others to receive too. I know that's true of you. Of course it is. For me, Jesus has changed everything. How can I not tell someone? How can I not introduce them? He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Through Christ, my life has completely changed. It's been completely transformed. I've been forgiven of my past. I've been adopted into God's family. I've been given a new life and a new heart. I've experienced transformation from being an angry, addicted, workaholic mess whose sins were stacking high and pain was running deep. And now I am an adopted son of God, spirit-filled and set free. The news doesn't get any better than that. How can we not give that away or at least introduce others in our life? Of course, I want that for everyone in my life. And you might be here this morning, you might be thinking to yourself, I've never experienced that kind of transformation. I have no idea who that Jesus is, or if he would do any of that for me. And if that's you, all you have to do is take a giant step towards him today and surrendering your life. The step of giving your life to Christ can happen for you today. You can make him the Lord and Savior of your life, receiving the forgiveness of your sins, following him as best as you can from this day forward. There'll be ups and there'll be downs, but you'll have a Savior with you every step of the way. And I promise that he will transform your life. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, then at the end of our service, I'm gonna invite you to do that this morning. And it's a decision that has eternal impact. You can start an eternal friendship with Jesus today. And it will change everything, like it's changed everything for me.
But even if you gave your life to Christ long ago, keep asking that question, who in my life needs to be introduced to Jesus? Who in my life do I need to invite? Do I need to introduce? Do I just need to bring along as I am going with the Lord? I imagine that as I'm preaching this morning that God is already laying names and faces on some of your hearts. That as I'm talking about inviting and introducing uh, Jesus to people, some of you are thinking about children. Some of you are thinking about spouses. Some of you are thinking about family members, friends. Some of you are thinking about a neighbor, a coworker. Don't dismiss those faces and don't dismiss those names. That could be the Lord speaking to you right now about who he might have you introduce this year, who he might have you introduce to Jesus this year. I'll talk more about this at Vision Night which, by the way, is Wednesday at 6.30, in case you forgot. (laughs) But to make this really easy for you this year, we're going to do a bunch of different things here at the church. For one, as a staff, we have circled 10 Sundays throughout the year that are going to be heightened invite Sundays. They're going to be fantastic Sundays for you to invite a friend who's exploring Jesus. Maybe they've walked away from the church. Maybe they've walked away from Jesus. Maybe they don't know anything about him. And those Sundays will be great for anyone who wants to learn more about Christ. They'll be good for longtime followers of Jesus, but they'll be fantastic for anybody who wants to learn more about the gospel. We'll talk more about that at Vision Night. We also have fun events that will be really easy to bring someone to. We have textable invites that we'll share with you. We even have hard copy invites. We call them our vineyard six packs because we wrap them up in six. A little provocative, I know, but you won't forget it. You can get a fresh six pack every day you leave and you can start handing them out. Because we realize not everyone's a great evangelist. This is a real thing. So instead of being hard on yourself about what you're not good at or what you can't do, simply be like Andrew and be like Philip. Be released of any pressure to save anyone in the world. You can't do it anyway, like I said. All you have to do is introduce and invite. This is so near and dear to my heart because as I've shared with many of you before, I have zero memories growing up of ever being invited to anything related to Jesus. I don't have a single memory of being invited to church, I don't have a single memory of being invited to Young Life or a summer camp when my life was falling apart from age 12 to age 19. And I mean really falling apart. I had nobody put their arm on my shoulder or put their arm around me and look me in the eye and say, Jeff, man, because I love you and because I don't want this for you, I want to introduce you to someone who can change everything. I never had that. Now, I'm not too bent out of shape about not having that when I was younger because I'm very thankful And I'm very grateful for my testimony with Christ and the way that he has saved me. But I definitely don't want that same story to be true of me as I move forward in my life. I don't want to to spend time thinking about what I didn't have. I'd rather spend time praying and dreaming and thinking about who God has placed around me, who I can see, who God's put in my life, who I might meet in the next coming weeks or months that I could introduce, that maybe I could share the person of Christ with, that that I could introduce along my own journey. Because it never happened for me when I was younger. I want to make sure I don't repeat that same silence in my life from this point forward. Instead, I'm interested on being the best friend that my city has ever seen. I want to focus on being the best neighbor I can be. I'm being the best soccer dad I can be with all the other parents on the sideline. The best golf buddy I can be or the best dad to my kids' friends, driving around the city, inviting them into my own home. And of course, 
being the best friend and being a kingdom relationship to all these different folks, it includes a bunch of different things in the scripture. And we'll unpack three more as we move through this series together. But it most definitely includes introducing them to Jesus. It most definitely includes introducing them to the one who can change all things. So as I close this morning, I just want you to consider this with me. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or you're brand new to the faith, don't dismiss what Andrew did. Don't dismiss what Philip did. Really sit in that passage. Really sit in that scripture and consider the power of a simple introduction. Consider the power of a simple introduction. Imagine how our city might change. Imagine how your neighborhood might change. Imagine how you would grow in your own faith and spiritual maturity if you committed to being a godly friend to those that God has placed in your life. I mean, whose life might change because of your introduction? Who can you introduce to Jesus, trusting that he will do the hard work for you? Let's pray.